Welcome to the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass with Brett Henderson, founder of Strategic Wealth Endeavor. We've created a community of veteran entrepreneurs just like you who are ready to help you succeed. Our podcast provides expert advice and resources so you can overcome any obstacle in your way. With the help of Brett and veteran guest experts, you can build a battle-ready business mindset to take your company to the next level. Thank you for listening to the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass. Now, on to the show. Brett Henderson's guest is Patrick Goff, the CEO of Poseidon Consulting, a company he founded in 2018. The retired Marine colonel provides companies with expertise in areas that range from leadership development to labor relations, organizational culture, and, of course, everything military. So, Brett, why don't you introduce your guest a little bit more for us? Sure thing. So thanks, Patrice. Appreciate that. Morning, Patrick. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Brad. I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Do you, do you prefer Patty or Patrick? Patty. Patty. All right. I'll call you Patty. IRS can be there, which is, which is a good thing. So this is interesting for me. This is the first guest, or you were the first guest I've never met. And have we had a phone call? Have we had, besides a couple of emails, have you and I had any conversations like this before the podcast? No, absolutely not. And in fact, if you and I were at the airport, I would have walked right by you because I had no idea what you looked like. So, <laughs> so humbly, this is a new experience for me. This is this is uncharted waters. So we'll see how it goes. I don't mind sharing. You and I were connected a couple of years ago on LinkedIn. I probably found you and saw your Marine Colonel and saw your business and probably through a random connection out there. And humbly... Before we did our rebrand and, and we're completely focused on serving the veteran entrepreneur community, I, I'm a 401k consultant. That's my background. That's my corporate experience. And hey, you're a business owner. You probably have a 401k. So we connected and I just pitched you. And what'd you say? No. <laughs> exactly. And then I said, hey, do you want to get together for a drink or beer? What'd you say? No. <laughs> so we have zero relationship. We've never met, never had a conversation. And then we did our rebrand and I completely shifted and focused because I, like you on LinkedIn, kept getting connection requests and everyone, once they connect, just pitches you just like, Hey, I'd love to get to know you, but I'd love to learn more about you. And for me, as I was sharing before, the word love is a trigger that just pushes me away. So anyone in business, if you're trying to build relationships on network uh, on LinkedIn through networking, don't tell someone you just met and don't know that you love anything about them or you love to do anything. So that being said, so as we shifted and we're starting to build the podcast and only for my firm shifted to only wanting to work and help and serve the veteran entrepreneur, entrepreneur community, what was the catalyst to finally have you say yes? And, and how did you decide to come and speak with us today? passion of mine, Brett, is, is helping veterans. And once I put connected the dots about what you were about and, and helping veterans through the transition process, at that point, it became idiot-proof. I mean, patty-proof. <laughs> I, 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 I try to help individual veterans. I've probably helped about a thousand transitioning veterans from all the services over the past 14 or 15 years since I retired from the Marine Corps. And, and I, the way I do it is I, I try to make sure that they understand the mistakes that I made so that they don't make those same mistakes. And, uh, and, and then provide some insight as far as helping them edit their, their resumes so that we take the military terminology out 
and translate that into something that a, a non-military civilian hiring manager would understand and therefore not throw their resume into the trash can right away so they at least get a chance at an interview because once a, once a veteran gets an interview chances are highly likely that they'll be able to convince people to hire them on the work that's great that's great so before we continue on the corporate side give us a little bit about your military background i know you're a colonel and you've done many things you're on the air, air wing side but why don't you just kind of share what your decision was even before you went in the marine corps to go in the marine corps and then you're throughout your career. And then once you got towards the twilight years of your career as a colonel, when you made that decision or did the Marine Corps make the decision for you to, to end your career and just kind of share about your mindset before and after, if you don't mind. No, I appreciate that. I grew up in Southern California and through, throughout college, I rode my motorcycle about 150 miles a day as a courier. And one of the pickup points happened to be right close to Marine Corps Air Station, El Toro. And I would stop on my motorcycle at the departure end of the runways and watch the F-4s and the A-4s take off over my head. And that's when I decided I really wanted to come into the Marine Corps and fly. And uh, that it, it helped me stay in school, helped me motivate myself to go to class because there was a goal at the end of the, uh, the rainbow there for me. And so I, I, I became a Marine officer. I went to the basic school, went to flight school, finished first in my class, got to choose what I wanted to fly. I fell in love with the Cobra attack helicopter. So I thankfully can say that I was an operational aviator flying Cobra attack helicopters for 30 years, 29 years, if you, because they didn't have Cobras in flight school. But I was a squadron commander, 27 aircraft, 350 Marines. I was a Marine Aviation Weapons and Tactics Squadron 1, which is the Marine equivalent of Top Gun for four the years. Mots, yeah, down in Yuma, Arizona. And then I became the group commander at Marine Aircraft Group 39 at Camp Pendleton before transitioning to making the decision to not go to the five-sided wind tunnel, formerly known as the Pentagon. Um <laughs> For uh, my, my wife was diagnosed with what could have been a terminal illness, and the Navy medicine said that they really couldn't do anything more for her, and we were under the care of a, uh, a great doctor here at uh, Scripps Torrey Pines in San Diego. So to answer your last question, I decided to leave the Marine Corps on my terms rather than chase the, the ever-elusive star by going to the Pentagon and, and do the right thing for myself and my family, and I would not change that decision now in retrospect. It was absolutely the right reason to do what I, I should have had the guts to do years before, perhaps. But then from, from the Marine Corps, I was re actually recruited out of the Marine Corps by Orange County Transportation Authority. Their CEO got to know me through a networking event at my former university, California State University, Fullerton. I gave him some advice. He didn't particularly like it, but he liked <laughs> He liked the honesty with which I gave the advice and uh, asked to meet with me again. I told him, no, <laughs> there's a trend here, Brett. And he insisted. So I went there. I didn't realize I wasn't smart enough to realize that I was being interviewed. So that's another piece of advice. Always be ready to be interviewed because yep. you may not know that you're going to get interviewed. And a couple of weeks later, he, uh, he hired me. And uh, so I did that for six years, but I had a passion still for the military, veterans, active duty, and, uh, and aviation. And I was recruited out of my executive director position at Orange County Transportation Authority to PKL Services, where I became the chief operating officer for about five years, and then fleeted up to become the CEO for two years, and, and then retired 
from that position in December of last year. And since then, uh, we started a new business with two attorney friends of mine that were involved with helping people, mostly American companies, expand their portfolio into the international business realm by providing them with all the advice that they need in order to avoid the pitfalls of doing business overseas. Wow. That, that brings us to that brings us today. Okay, well, thanks for sharing that. A couple of things there. I'll go off. Well, there's no script, right? But I'll just go off script. Snell, I can't remember the 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 rank he would have been, Lieutenant Colonel or Major Snell. He's a Cobra Cobra pilot. He was at Tulane RTC with me. Does that name ring a bell? It does, but I'm I'm very old, Brett. You're um, experienced. You're experienced. Yeah, he yeah. he was commissioned in probably '96 or '7. A couple of years older than me. No, 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 no. Brock. Brock. No, Snell was another buddy. Sorry, Brunk, Brunk, Brunk. That's the name, not Brunk, not Snell, Brunk. No. Brunk, ring a bell. Yeah, he no. was a Cobra guy. And then how about Rivaldi? Throw one more name at you. He, okay, he was a Huey guy. He did Mott's on the Huey side. He, he and I were commissioned at the same time, same class in 98. But a few, few of my, my friends that were in on the aviation side were pilots. So Brunk was a Cobra guy, Rivaldi, a Huey guy. Snell was probably a grunt. I can't remember what he went into, but he was a good dude. Anyway, so... Off script, not on script, because we have no script, but just name checking there on the Cobra side. So going back, oh, I, I am curious about, though, when you decided to get out, you said it was on your ter- terms and the best decision you ever made. Can you, are you comfortable, would you be open to sharing a little bit more about that mindset? So you said the chasing the elusive star, obviously for one star, go to Pentagon, you have to do that. You decided to no. know, you said it's the right thing for you and your family. Can you talk about your mindset? Because that's... If you think about our listeners, everyone here is thinking, how do I be the best entrepreneur executive I can be? And it's all about mindset. So would you mind sharing a little bit about your mindset when you decided to get out and what that catalyst was? Yeah, it, it was really, it was really, I, I guess selfishly is probably the wrong word, but for lack of anything better at this point, selfishly driven. My wife had endured so much being a military wife. She, she, we got married when we were in college. So she she was with me through 30 years of hell on earth, four combat tours, eight overseas deployments, uh, one crash, the loss of, we, we totaled it up one day, as morbid as this may sound, but 84 friends that have been killed in aviation-related accidents or mishaps in combat and in peacetime. And and she, she sacrificed. She was a single, she busted her butt, working her tail off, trying to take care of two kids while I was off doing the, the, the business of the Marine Corps throughout the world. And in the old days, you, you didn't have instantaneous communications. You couldn't call home. In fact, on my second overseas deployment aboard, aboard ship, I received my, a letter from her from my first overseas deployment. Uh, oh, wow. So, wow. you know, yeah, it, it, it's not at all like it was, it is today. But she sacrificed so much for our family and for, for my career. She put her medical career on hold to raise two kids because we agreed that focusing on the upbringing of our children was the most important thing. And, and again, another decision that I, we don't regret at all. But when she was facing a, a you know, potentially terminal illness and was going through chemo and damn near died a couple of times, I, I, just, I just couldn't look at things from a careerist perspective and, and, and potentially cost her her life when Navy medicine said they couldn't do anything more. So we rolled the bones and, and uh, stuck with the doctor that she still has, by the way. And, and she's been cured. 
awesome. uh, everything, everything is fine. So from that perspective, yeah, you know, was it a tough decision to say, I'm going to put my family before the Marine Corps? I would be lying if I said no. It, 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 it was a tough decision because the Marine Corps is everything that I knew, everything that I loved. Uh, and I, I will use the term love there. I, I loved my brothers and sisters in the Marine Corps, whom I had the honor of serving with. I still do, but I love my family more. At a point, you have to grow up and put your big boy pants on and, and, and make that, that tough decision. And, and, and therein lies the next thing that I encountered was fear. Please share. How, how do I transition into something in the civilian sector and be successful? Because military folks, you don't you don't get ahead in the Marine Corps or the military, any of the services. They're all performance based. You're not going to get promoted if you if you aren't capable. And and how am I going to be able to translate what I did in the Marine Corps to people who may not understand the military at all and and be successful? Because I don't want to fail. We 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 all don't want to fail. And it it really didn't hit me because I had I was recruited by the CEO of Orange County Transportation Authority to come aboard, got to know me through networking. But and I said I I, I told him frankly, I don't know anything about buses, trains, and building highways. And he goes, Look, in six months, I can teach you all you need to know about that. But you forgot more about leadership than the rest of my executive team combined. And I want you to lead this company, this organization, and, and teach us those things. It, it, I, I stepped out of the Marine Corps on a Thursday afternoon. We went to Napa over the weekend, and I started work on Monday. Wow. And that was November of 2008. And it driving home from Orange County to Carlsbad, San Diego, uh, which was my commute every day, which was stupid. But <laughs> yeah, OK, got it. Around Christmas time, it hit me. What have I just done? How am I going to make this work? Oh, my God. I'm an you know, I'm an executive in a civilian organization that I don't know anything about. How am I going to make this work? And really what it boiled down to is I came home and talked to my wife and she said, do what you've always done. Do what you did to be successful in the Marine Corps and you'll be successful in the civilian sector as well. And that just meant being responsible, nose to the grindstone, diligent, research, read, prepare, and treat people as you want to be treated yourself. Leadership is leadership. Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of leadership of people, management of programs. You don't manage people because then you're treating people like cattle with just numbers and, and not really getting to know them. So I, that's, that's what I did. And it's, it's served me very, very well. And, and now my passion is to pass along what I've learned through my own mistakes and some successes to those veterans who follow in my footsteps and, and encounter that same level of fear of the unknown as they transition forward. Does that answer your question, Brett? It begins to, but it asks, it, it leads to many more questions, doesn't it? Right. The yeah. fear, the mindset is, is everything. I'm going to ask you a, a question and I know you're going to be honest. I didn't prep for this and just popped in my mind. Do you feel leading people is more difficult in corporate America or the Marine Corps? I, well, yeah. And this question was not planned. I didn't give you this one ahead of time. This just came oh. up as we're chatting. Oh, I have yeah. my answer. I have my answer. I want to hear yours. Yeah. And, and thanks for the surprise ambush. Welcome I, to my jungle. Uh, yeah. It, it, the reason I hesitate is because my leadership of Marines was not 
just me. The Marine Corps takes somebody off the street and transforms them. And I don't mean to belittle or, or ignore the other services because anybody who serves in any military branch, God bless you all. We've all done things for a reason beyond our own selfish needs. It, it, joining the military is, is bigger than just oneself. So for, for that, thank you. But you know, from my personal experience in the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps takes somebody off the street, transitions them into being a Marine, and, and, and therefore you become a Marine for life. And, and you embody those things that the Marine Corps teaches you. I had the luxury of, of inheriting those folks had, had gone through boot camp and the basic school and flight school and their tech schools. And they had been imbued with uh, and embodied with those leadership skills at a basic level by the time they got to me. So, you know, my, my responsibility at that point was don't screw it up, Patty. They, they came to me with a very, very solid foundation of leadership. And all I had to do was figure out how to tweak them and help them lead and, and give them some of my personal leadership philosophy and help add that to their toolbox. But, but they had a full toolbox before they got to me in most cases. And in some cases, some of my senior staff NCO leaders, like I told them the first day that I took command, I looked out in the crowd and, and you know, they had all been Lance Corporals and Corporals when I was a Lieutenant and a Captain. Then I said, if you don't like the type of squadron commander and a leader that I am, it's not my fault. It's yours. You raised me <laughs> because any officer understands that, you know, where the rubber really meets the road is with the non-commissioned officers and staff non-commissioned officers in, in any kind of unit. So now circling back to, is it harder to be a leader in the military or civilian? I would say civilian because the foundation of leadership 99% of the time is not there like it's there in the military. So you, you have a very, and I, again, I don't mean to disparage any, no. any generations, but you, you have generations of people that are more about me than about the organization or the bigger picture or doing something that is non-selfish, unselfish. And it's not necessarily their fault, but you know, institutions of higher learning are not teaching people about leadership as they should be preparing them to go from college or from high school into jobs where they're expected to be put in charge of people. What I saw with the executive leadership at, at OCTA, those individuals were some of the finest individuals I've ever come across. And they got promoted from entry-level positions over, you know, 20 or 30 years all the way up through the executive level. And, and in some cases, they're, the people that they oversaw hated them. They were technically the most proficient people at their job, but they had never been given a parallel track of leadership development along with their technical development. And, and as such, their, their subordinates revolted or left. And, and that's unfortunate. And we tried to fix that. So yeah, to answer your question, long-windedly, civilian leadership is tougher. Uh, it's a bigger, bigger challenge. I appreciate that. And actually, I have the exact same answer. So the Marine Corps, and for full disclosure, again, and anyone who's listening, I am a peacetime Marine. I was in 98 through 02. Kosovo happened when I was in, but the second ground war started in March of 03, and I got out September 02. So I was a peacetime Marine. And 
when I got out, I was recruited by Cintas, such a uniform company. And I did a year and a half with them as a service manager. So they gave me a team of guys riding around in trucks and, and selling uniforms and, and doing laundry service for you know, butcher shops, uh, automotive, manufacturing, anything. Anyone wears a uniform during work. That's what Cintas does. And they gave me a, they put me in this location or hired me in this location, actually myself and two army officers. So we have a screwed up location. These guys are all a bunch of knuckleheads. Fix it. Like you're a Marine, fix it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, let, let's go and talk about fear of the unknown. What I learned or experienced very, very quickly, the difference in leadership in the Marine Corps and civilian sector is Marine Corps or any military organization, your team has to be there until the job is done, right? There's no eight-hour workday. It, it is what it is. And in civ- corporate America or civilian America, you have a team, you got an eight-hour workday. The job has to be done ideally in eight hours. If anything over eight hours, if your team's hourly, then it's time and a half. 12 hours is double time. So you have a new constraint, a new variable, which I never had to deal with in Marine Corps is time of the day. At the same time, if your team doesn't like your style in the Marine Corps, guess what? Who cares? Not to say who cares, your guys care. They'll lose respect for you, but your, your team is your team. They're not going to go away, right? In corporate America, if your team doesn't like, trust, respect you, they're not to ideally like you, but trust, respect you, they can go get another job. They can leave. They can go somewhere else. So there's another dynamic that your team doesn't have to be your team. And you must right. ideally lead your team versus manage to make them like, trust, respect you so they stay and grow. And then, so it's a different dynamic. And I also, I agree with you. I think leading a team, the civilian sector is harder than it was for me in the Marine Corps because of those other variables, which you just don't have in the Marine Corps. So I appreciate you sharing and and and. Sh- and, and, and saying that, because I think a lot of our other listeners probably feel the same way. We have this team and your team is trained and they know what they're doing and they rock and roll. You could say you're the you know, battalion CO of any unit or an XO of any unit. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's a combat arms or combat service support, like your team knows what they're doing. You can be gone. Your team's going to rock and roll, right? You can be gone and your team's going to rock and roll. And that's when you know you've got good leaders in place. But in corporate America, that isn't necessarily the case. And it takes time to build and shift. So I appreciate you sharing that. If, so, if I could add please, a please, bit on that. Yeah, please. Um, not only is it, is it difficult to do that, but I, I faced fighting the Hollywood stereotypical model of, oh, my God, there's this new executive director coming in and, and he's a Marine. <laughs> you know, what, <laughs> talk about that. He, yeah. What, what's he going to what's he going to make us do is, you know, we're going to fall out into the parking lot in the morning at, at nine o'clock and and do push ups and, and pull ups and run three miles before we start work. And, you know, I, I jokingly said, no, we'll be all done with that by nine o'clock. <laughs> we're coming in early. And so it, it's not only are you trying to transition in your own mind but you're having to convince people that your style of leadership is not military leadership as as would be done in the military uh, that that you do have a heart that you do have a family that that you do understand them and, and once you convince and, and it's it's not just you know just add water and stir three times i mean it takes a lot of hard work on your part to be able to break those stereotypical mindsets of people who who fear you 
because you're, you know, you're a wild man. You're, you're, you're from the military. Oh my God, you carried a gun for a living. So, you know, understand that, that uh, leadership in the military has challenges. Leadership in the civilian sector for somebody who is former military has very different challenges. And you need to think strategically about how you will conquer those challenges without, as you said, Brett, alienating your team and have them depart because retention is is something that translates to the bottom line. And in business, the bottom line is everything. Now, I appreciate you sharing that. I think, humbly, I felt that. And to hear you say that, it's just, it's just calming. It's just, that's the fact, this whole podcast, what we're trying to create is a community for other veteran entrepreneurs to, to realize they're not alone. They're not going through this. And I never had the conversation you and I just had with, any of my peers. You know, we've just maybe a one line here and there off the cuff. Like, ah, it is what it is. But the fact you just share that, I think it's huge because yeah, it was confirming for me and comforting for me to hear you say that, to know I'm not the only one going through that or that experienced that. And I still deal with that today. I was at a conference this weekend and I, I mean, if you saw the post on LinkedIn or not, you know, one guy stood up and you know, was quoting the Marine Corps for some things. Any veterans here? And I was the only Marine to sound off with a bark in, in the, a room of 300 people. I still bark, which is fine. And uh, it, it, people just look at you differently. It's just funny. It, it, and I look at it as a positive, positive thing. But you are, there are stereotypes. And they're, oh, he's just aggressive. He's just this. He's just that. Well, I'm a passionate person. <laughs> I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. It's who right. I am. It, it, it doesn't, it's not because I'm a Marine. It, it's I'm a Marine. I, I'm Brett. I am a Marine. I was in the Marines, but I'm still who I am. And it's a piece of me, but it's not all of me. But yes, we do have to. It's a double edged sword being a prior Marine officer or just a veteran in corporate America. People respect you more. They think you're going to get more done. They think you can walk on water. They think you're a magician. You could just make, magically snap your hands and, and fix a situation. But at the same time, people will, oh, if, if, if they're not on board, so to speak, or they don't like your leadership style or the way you're mentoring or giving feedback to the younger generation, it's very easy. Ah, they're just a Marine. They're just this. Just very easy to accuse and attack and just throw a negative stereotype and use it against you. So I think it is a double-edged sword, which is, which is something we all have to face, right? And, and But being able to recognize that and shift your leadership style accordingly, I think is huge. So being self-aware is huge. So appreciate that. So to, to keep us on track, I have two more kind of questions for you, if that's all right. Sure. So now fast forward to what you're doing now. I'd love to understand. Now I just said I love. Wow. Well, I love this conversation. This is true. And that's not a Freudian slip. I, I, I enjoy everything about this. So I'll keep going with it. Okay. I just said love. And I said, I hate love. That's fun. But your last gig, you finished up as a consultant or interim CEO. And then you said, okay, team, I'm starting a new gig. You found two attorneys. What was the mindset for you or the thought process? I mean, when you finished a gig and say, I want to start this new gig, what, what was the catalyst for you? Or when did you make up your mind, say, this is what I should do. And this is where I'm focusing all my attention moving forward. So this is all about mindset of embracing the unknown and making a decision to go a direction that you don't know if it's going to work. You have no idea if it's going to work, but you're all in and you're not going to fail. Well, maybe that's your mindset. So I'll ask you, so what, what was your mindset, if you don't mind sharing, into the thought process of going from your last gig to where you're going today? Sure. You know, everybody times out. And, and whether 
whether you're, let's just use the Marine Corps, for instance, even the Commandant of the Marine Corps at some point is going to be asked to leave. And, and so I, I left on my terms from the Marine Corps. There are other people who leave on the Marine Corps' terms, and that's fine. But while you're in Maybe it's something that the Marine Corps planning process steeped into our minds that always have a plan because you can audibleize at the line from your playbook. But if you don't have a playbook, you're screwed once you get up there and the defense changes. So in 2018, even though I was still the chief operating officer for an aerospace company, I, I saw that I'm getting older and I, I want to have something to do, not, not as a hobby, but, you know, something to keep my mind engaged and to help others, uh, especially transitioning military folks on the backside of my corporate career. So that's when I founded Poseidon Consulting. And I, I was pretty busy as a COO for a while. And then I got even busier as a CEO for, for a while. So, all, you know, when I retired in, in December from that aerospace company, I had already established my consulting company. And I, I really didn't, I, I still to this day have not advertised my consulting company. It was my network that had been established throughout the years, both on the military and civilian side that had people, once they found out that I was now available to consult, they reached out. And as luck would have it, uh, somebody who was trying to buy the company that I retired from, uh, when he found out that I was available, he also had a group of companies in Florida that were being mismanaged by the, the C-suite folks that he had brought on. And he asked me to come to his office here in San Diego County and sat down and talked to him. And uh, you'll, you'll love this one. Patty, I want, you to, I want you to move your family from San Diego to Fort Lauderdale and become the CEO and fix what's broken there. And my response was no. And uh, so you see a trend here, Brett? Yeah, yeah. But he, he eventually talked me into taking it on as an, in, as an interim CEO and help him, help him diagnose the problem, whether the companies were, were salvageable or not, so that he could cut and run if he needed to. Uh, and then also help agree to help him select my successor as the CEO. And he, he, you know, he agreed to pay me a lot of money to do that. And, and I, I was right at the time I was undergoing the, the cancer treatment and the like, I had to make sure that I was allowed to split time between there and here because I had to come back in for my family and also for, uh, for treatments and the like. So he agreed to all that. Okay. And uh, we went down there, took a look at things, very, very quickly diagnosed the problem. He was very uh, helpful in, in doing things. And we turned a, a negative cash flow into almost a million dollar positive cash flow inside of three weeks. Wow. And, uh, and we, we found the guy that uh, wanted to, to come on board and, and be the full-time CEO there. And so that worked out great. Again, another opportunity with, and, and so my consulting company is still up and running, but now I, I, was, I was taken away from that by another opportunity with two people who I had business connections, colleagues that I had encountered over the last couple of years that formed their own law group and, uh, and asked me if I would come aboard and be a one-third equity partner with the two of them 
uh, starting up an international business brokerage company. And we went live with that on uh, August 16th. So, you know, now, and, and the happiest person on the planet is my wife, because in the 45 years we've been married, during the 30 years in the Marine Corps, I was gone seemingly half the time. And with COVID and now working from home in offices adjacent here in, in the house, uh, she's the happiest person in the world to see me get out of the house and actually get back into the workforce and give her some free time. So uh, it, awesome. it all works. It, it all, all works comes out. together. It all comes yeah. together. So any, any fears with going, your partners are lawyers and you're a pilot. <laughs> Well, any thoughts about that? When these two guys were going to be able to communicate or communicate differently, effectively, any, any thoughts there as you put that together? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I, they, they have been colleagues of mine for the past couple of years. We, we already had that relationship of trust and, and, and mutual respect established. But they, they're very, very, very smart. They're very well versed in the, all the legal aspects of what our new business uh, requires. I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, but, but they've never run large and complex organizations. They've never led teams of people. They, they, they don't know what they don't know. And I don't know what they know. And so there's not a lot of overlap as far as duplication of effort. There's some redundancy built in by the nature of our you know, triumvirate organization but we all have specific lanes that, that we, we uh, get together with. And it, you know, in about 45 minutes or so, I'll be having our weekly meeting with the other two partners to figure out where we're going and what we're doing. But we, we've been in business a month and we've already got huge clients uh, internationally that we're dealing with on behalf of companies here in the United States and other companies that want to move their business interests elsewhere. Yeah, there's fear. Uh, have I ever done that before? No. Have, have I started up a company before, you know, a, a major company before? No. Am I scared about it? No, uh, not really. And if it had been the first time that I've ever dealt with anything in the civilian sector, yes, there would be that fear factor. But I, I identified the fear with my initial transition. Uh, I set a track record of, of success and, and failures that I learned from. And now I'm going into this much more prepared with a much more strategic vision towards the future based on the experiential growth that I've, I've had over the last 15 years. So I'm not going in cold anymore. Right. Uh, you know, I I mean, I've spent almost half as much time out of the Marine Corps as I did in the Marine Corps. And that level of experience, that level of networking, you know, has translated itself. And the other thing that I would, I would add to that is please, networking is so important. When I was the COO, for those history folks, you, you all heard about the purges of Stalin pre-World War II. The, you know, they called it the the, the Patty purges. I looked at everybody that was an external support service provider to the company that I was a COO for. Mm -hmm. And, and if they weren't value added or they were screwing things up, when I catch math errors on a valuation report, an annual valuation report, there's a serious problem. So I fired them all. Uh, lawyers, accountants, insurance folks, everybody. I fired them all, but I didn't fire them until I had the varsity team lined up to come in behind them. You know, networking is good for your own personal growth and your own career aspirations. But once you're in a position, 
then surround yourself with absolutely the varsity team of duty experts that you know and you trust and, and let them do what they're there to do. I, I flew Cobra helicopters for a living. I couldn't turn a wrench and they wouldn't let me even near the toolboxes right. to turn wrenches. And, and, and they were smart. So the, the experts that I had on the flight line fixing our aircraft, I didn't get in their business. I helped them to do their job. Same thing with the business world. Surround yourself with brilliant people and, and your focus in life as the leader is to stop the BS that flows from up high down low and let them devote their time and energy to what they do best. And everybody will be successful. I think that that's great. I, there's actually two episodes, I think, that just came out of that. You know, one thing we could chat about is you know, what are our biggest failures? That's a whole podcast of itself, admitting failures, learning from failure. You know, every time you get kicked in the face, punched in the gut, you learn from it, right? And you get up and rock and roll. And I think another piece you added there, which is huge for any veteran entrepreneur, is you're not the same person when you get out as you are five years, 10 years, 15 years, right? Your role changes your experience changes your your confidence changes as you have those failures and exactly. failing is part of it failings to be expected if you don't fail something's wrong right you're not trying hard enough you're not failing and i think today's generation sometimes i've seen is afraid to fail yes and they just don't want to fail and you have to fail if you want to grow <laughs> i can say i am a failure right and that's my own success is the failures i had just a sum of learning from those lessons. So we could talk about that. And another piece, actually, which could be a whole other episode, uh, I spoke to a, a gentleman last week who's a, who was a, is or still a Navy SEAL, but he's no longer in. He had 20 years in the teams, and he's been married for over 30 years. And you've been married for how many years? 45. 45. That is a podcast in of itself for a military veteran entrepreneur to be married for 45 years. Actually, we need to have your wife on the podcast to yeah. kind of go through that more than you. Uh, that's amazing. So I appreciate you sharing that. That literally is a whole thing to keep relationships working personal as well as professional. Last question. Last question. Hey, can, can I please? If, you can. If I can real, yes. real quickly. Yes. One of the one of the individuals that I mentored was a transitioning SEAL, you know, uh, uh, Master Chief, 25 years in the, you know, in the teams. He scared the hell out of me when he walked into the restaurant. And I asked him, I, I said, so what are what are your career aspirations on the civilian side? And he goes, well, I want to I want to come in and, and run a, uh, a company. And I go, what do you mean run a company? And he goes, I, I want to be CEO and president. I go, so that's your entry level goal is to come right from the teams and go right into leading a company that you know nothing about. In fact, you don't even know what industry you want to get involved with. He goes, no, it doesn't really matter. I, I'm a leader. I, I can do this. And I said, no, you can't. You're going to fail miserably. And so I gave him advice an hour and a half over lunch, talking to him about what he should do. And, and it's the same advice I gave my son, same advice I gave my daughter. And they balked, all three of them balked at it. Uh, initially. Three months later, that SEAL called me back up and said, you know, I, I, uh, I encountered the resistance that you told me I would. And I realized that everything that you were saying about starting at a lower level within a company that I really wanted to be involved with for the right reasons, and that my performance would, uh, would make itself evident to the leadership within that company. And he goes, and I've already been promoted three times in three months. And, awesome. and now I'm leading a division. And the next 
the next step for me is into the executive ranks. And he goes, it was really hard for me to hear you tell me that I wasn't qualified to go in and be the CEO of a company from on day one. I told him you, you, you may fast track, but and, and, and at some point it may not even be in the company you start with, you may end up in another company in a leadership position, but you're gonna rise to the top, but understand you're gonna have to eat some crow initially. And so that, that's my advice also is that don't plan on going in at the top. I did, you know, I was maybe a rung or two down, right. but, but it took me 15, well, 13 years to get to the CEO position and, you know, and then I quit. So, so what's the moral of that story? Kind of have a little bit of humility, understand yeah, you may, it, your identity is a 10, your role coming out in any new position is a zero when you first start, just acknowledge that and it would take some time. Especially if you're, if you're transitioning from retirement in the military, you know, you've, you've been doing things at a very high level, very competently and proficiently for 20, 30 years. You are not the, the big man on campus anymore. <laughs> you are going to go in and you might have to take orders from a 25-year-old who is a Harvard Business School graduate who knows more about the business than you do at that point. But he probably, he or she probably doesn't have a clue about leadership. So there's a, there's a give and take there. There's a mentorship upward and mentorship downward. And, and there, you know, the next thing you know, that individual will probably end up working for you. But it's going to take time. So be patient. Have strategic patience in your career progression as, as you move forward. Patty, that's perfect. This has been great. Literally more questions available are for me now to ask you another time. So maybe have you back on again, if you'd be so interested. Uh, last question before uh, Patrice come back and, and kind of wrap things up. Uh, are we down for a beer? Yes. Hey, God, yes, that's great. On that note, Patrice, take it away. <laughs> All right. Brad, how can listeners reach you? Oh yeah. UE90.com. We do again, Wealth Management and Business Consulting for Veteran Entrepreneurs and Their Companies, so SWE90.com. And then my direct line, 310-491-7045, 310-491-7045, Strategic Wealth Endeavor. All right, so for all you listeners, follow and subscribe to this podcast to know when the latest episode is ready for you. And if you find this information helpful, please share with friends and colleagues. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass podcast. Don't forget to click the follow button to become notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through IFP Securities, LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through IFP Investors, LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, a registered investment advisor. IFP and Strategic Wealth Endeavor INC are not affiliated. The views expressed are that of the host and are for informational purposes only and in no event should be construed as an offer to buy or sell securities. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. Neither IFP Investors LLC, IFP Securities LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, nor their affiliates offer tax or legal advice. 
Interested parties are strongly encouraged to seek advice from qualified tax and or legal experts regarding the best options for your particular circumstances. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors LLC DBA Independent Financial Partners 